Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Hey, good Saturday morning. Rich Orris here, filling in, sitting in the big chair for Scott Mosby today. Welcome, welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show today. Thanks for joining me, and thanks for being a part of the show today. You know, I've got some big shoes to fill when I'm in here for Scott for the next two hours. You know, we can talk about a lot of different stories, um, topics. You know, we've got a, a lot going on, so there's... Plenty to be accomplished here today, but my main goal, again, being here to help you, the listener, with whatever you may need for your home, whatever you may have going on, from the foundation to the roof, all the way up, all the way back down. We can get into anything you need today. Give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. You know, got a couple of things here today we can definitely you know, talk about and touch base on a little bit, you know, obviously that home that exploded in O'Fallon, Missouri. Wow. What a crazy story there. You know, what could we all learn from something like that happening? Surprisingly, it's not just dig right, call before you dig all that stuff. There's another lesson deep inside all that we can get into for sure. Also, you know, what should we be doing around our homes in March? There's a list. There's things that's, you know, spring is on the way. It's warm. It's great day today. So we can cover a lot of that stuff. But mainly, again, we want to cover all of that and more, plus your topics today, your questions, your concerns right here, right now. We've got two straight hours for you. One last time, you can find me at 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty, and of course, beautiful day today. You know, I went to I went to leave to to come down to the studio, and I walked out onto my back deck real quick just to kind of check the temperature. And I grabbed my hoodie and I put it right back on my office chair and and walked out the door. Oh man, is it nice? High of seventy five or something like that today. So. Again, like we talk all the time, check out your house, what's going on around it. We've had all these different storms and snow and ice and all of that going on the past month. And of course, this, you know, this week we're going to have some rain. Come Friday, they're talking maybe even a little bit of rain and snow coming back again. Definitely don't want to hear that. But today is your, your day to walk around, look at the house, check things out. It's actually on the list for things you should be doing in March today. So um, I I can explain that a little bit more in depth later. Can't wait for another, oh, what, eight days from now. We get to change the clocks. Oh, my gosh, more light. Everybody loves that, wants that. We need that for our homes, for working on our homes, for working in the yard, straightening things up. So Hopefully there's more light coming here, changing the clocks uh, about a week from Sunday um, will be an awesome thing for everybody. But, you know, I wanted to kind of start off real quick here with this house out in O'Fallon because I think there's a there's an underlying story that I don't know that everybody will will see, understand, or pick up on. But, of course, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have probably heard, you know, it was all over the news 
a company, you know, they hit a gas line um, drilling out in O'Fallon, Missouri. It caused a leak that went into a house. And of course, the house exploded. Now, fortunately, they were able to get there. They did the right steps, calling, calling, you know, 911 or whatever, calling Spire, doing all this stuff to, you know, oh my gosh, we got to get this stopped. And they did evacuate the houses. And, you know, there was no injuries, nothing, you know, all the people were out of the way. Um, but, you know, it damaged five houses around it that are completely condemned. And, and then there's multiple houses around that that assess damage. I actually know someone that lives, I, I, I'm out that way. I know somebody who lives probably in a straight line, you know, across Fizey Road, maybe a quarter mile or so, you know, from that house. Um, and they actually walked out of their house to look at it because they thought a car hit their house. And they are multiple, multiple houses from, you know, where this had actually happened. So, um, and, and the struggles and the things that they're all going through now. So the company's making its statements, all these things are happening. Um, the neighbors, you know, they've been interviewing them about how, you know, what's happening for you now. And, and, you know, the house right next door, if you see the video of how much this house next door shifts and I mean, this house moved probably four five, six feet and back again. Um, so there is so much damage and structural damage in, in the foundation and every part of that entire house. And so, you know, their complaint is they're not getting answers real super fast and they're being told to, you know, go through their own things and, um, you know, go to your own insurance company, start there, get your own structural engineer, do all this stuff. And, you know, so what a hassle this is starting to create with these homeowners, you know, having to get their own private insurance involved, you know, adjusters involved, structural engineers involved, um, to, to figure all this stuff out. And I'm sure there's, you know, it'll be very complicated and here's why it'll be so complicated too, because so according to the company that was hired to do the work gateway fiber. So they hired a contracting company, another, you know, construction company to do this work. And that company hired a subcontractor so it goes from, you know, this gateway to the Selnerick or something construction. Then it goes to this JDK construction that was actually there doing the work. So this is like three times removed, you know, from what is really even supposed, you know, who's contracted to do the work, all of this. It's almost like, you know, you rent an apartment, say you own an apartment, you rent it out to someone, they sublease it to someone, they sublease it to someone. And you're like three times removed from who's actually paying the rent. And that's why, you know, uh, that's why apartment complexes don't allow that, you know, a lot, a lot of them will say, no, we don't do that. Cause we, we want control over who we're getting in and how they pay and making sure they're good. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, this basically correl, you know, it, it correlates right back to everything that we do here at Mosby building arts. And when you think about getting your work done, when you hire somebody, to do this work, do you ask, so who's really going to do the work? Because it very well couldn't just be a subcontractor. It could be a subcontractor of a subcontractor. 
And then when something does happen, well, whose insurance is it? How do they do, you know, how does all this stuff manage work happen? It's, it just gets so complicated and crazy. And that's why, you know, working with Scott Mosby here at Mosby Building Arts for 20 plus years now and how we've redeveloped and reworked, you know, how this company runs, who's doing what, you know, who's an employee, who's not, how do we cover all this stuff and thinking about all this up front, having a lot of your own employees do a lot of the things offers control responsibility. So think if it, if it would have been, you know, the right people or the right person, you know, with a little bit more responsibility in the whole thing, they may have stopped and thought, you know what, the markings are kind of going away from dig right. And, I'm not positive on some of this. We should stop and recall and, and reevaluate this stuff. Um, you know, make sure we're, we're in the right place, all these things, you know, and you just start to lose that, that knowledge, responsibility, all these things as you get removed from who's actually performing this work. So, you know, think about this on a, on a smaller scale of your home. You're going to do a bathroom. Who does the tile? Who does, you know, the plumbing, the electric, who does all of these portions that, you know, this, this one place is saying they're going to do great questions to ask when you're going through this and when you're figuring all this stuff out. So, Hey, we are here again. Want to hear from you. Would love to answer your questions. Feel free to give me a call. We're going to get into our first break here. The number you're going to look for is 314-436- 7900 take you right to me and you know what we can also get into this list of march things and everything you know when we return so we'll be we'll be back right after this live and local this is st louis's news radio kmox All right, here we go. We've got the phone lines lit up. We've got calls coming in. We've got more room for more calls. Again, this is Rich Ors filling in today for Scott Mosby, and we've got Scott's back today. Anything you need, feel free to give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. So I want to jump right in on the phones here with our friend Dixie has a question about a toilet. Dixie, are you with us? Uh, yes, I am. Hey, thanks Thank for you. calling. You're welcome. Uh, just a simple question. I had a toilet recently installed and when they took up the old toilet it had not been caulked but when my friends were installing the new toilet and they were finished and everything they had a disagreement as to whether it should be caulked or not so my question to you is should this new toilet be caulked around the bottom well you know it's it, it is it's more of a cleaning thing and a look thing th- than anything. It, it the toilet okay. doesn't need to be caulked or between the toilet bowl and the floor for any any real reason of the function of the toilet. You know, it's right. mounted, it's down, it's secure. Um, it, you know, it will hold. It's got the wax ring. The water will go down into the drain. Um, so there is a dispute out there between a lot of different people on caulking toilets because so if you caulk around the toilet, 
it, it'll make it kind of nicer because of like mopping the floor, cleaning up. Stuff won't actually get and go underneath there. Um, but the the downside to it is, if anything ever happens to the seal of that wax ring, and you start to get some water you know, when you flush and stuff that gets outside of that wax ring, it won't really leave from underneath that toilet. And the first place you'll find any water is going to be below it, you know, on the ceiling below or the basement below or whatever. So some people are like, yeah, don't caulk it because that water can then kind of come out and you might find it and go, oh, geez, something's wrong. And then other people are like, no, caulk it because it'll keep it cleaner. It'll be easier to clean all of that. So Okay. <laughs> Depends the most on what's underneath it, you know, and 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 what the personal thought is, and 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 all of that for for each individual. Okay, so it's it's up in the air yet. Yep, okay. it, it still is kind of up in the air. So, um, you know, I, I I literally myself, I I just put a new toilet in a second floor bathroom on my house. Um, my foyer's underneath it. And I've had a problem with the the toilet before where it leaked and I got stains on the four-year ceiling and everything. So I did not caulk that toilet to the floor. Okay. And that's why, just in case. If it starts coming out and you find it, it'll less damage below. All righty then. Well, thank you very much. Oh, no problem. I appreciate your show. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate you calling in today, Dixie. That was nice and good question and a popular dispute, you know, with with a lot of people out there that we've talked a lot about in the past too. Um, so we've got uh, Jim on the phone here, has a question for us. Jim, are you there? Yes, I am. Awesome. Thanks for calling. What's going on? Yeah, hi. I uh, just wanted to get your opinion on electronic water descalers and basically do they work and do they help? So... <clears throat> are you talking about like one that goes uh, around the outside of a, a four or five foot section of the pipe to kind of uh, get yeah. chemicals and stuff out of that? So, so what I've kind of heard in, in the past, and, and I have personally done, you know, a lot of work with um, aqua systems over the years with their water softeners and, and different, you know, systems that they have for filtration and things like that. And what I've always kind of heard is that a lot of those systems, it's like they work, but they only work for the four or five feet that it's doing. You know, it's changing the the chemical composite of the water or whatever. But from what a lot of people say is it reverts back very easily and very quickly. So unless your faucet or, you know, the usage there is is really close to it, then it then it might kind of revert back and not work real well further down the line to a further bathroom sink or or something like that. Um, so most of what we found is more filters, water softeners, things like that 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 change it you know more permanently. You know, tend oh, okay. to work better. All right. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Um, Okay, appreciate it. Thank Perfect. You. No problem. Not 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 at all. That was a great question and something we've we've talked about a bit too, you know, in the past is um, how these all these different things, you know, in, in today's world, 
in remodeling and the things that we do, there's so many options. You know, I always kind of describe it as like, you know, when I was a kid and we went to like Seven Eleven to get a soda, you had, you had like five or six things lined up. You know, you had your Dr. Pepper, your Coke, your Sprite, you know, root beer. And now, I mean, you walk at the wall, quick trip and you can add, you can add toppings on top of that flavors into it. You can do, there's, there's a wall and a half of different things that, you know, fountains that you can get and stuff. And that's how it is today in our world of remodeling with new products, new ideas, new things, and, and, you know, how well they work and all of that. So it really can get extremely complicated and t- takes a lot of research for the buyer to really say, you know, wow, what, what's going to work best? How do you, and you got to do almost a lot of your own research. And and part of the hard thing is when you do that research, you can almost go online and find something either direction for all things where one will say, well, this, that is kind of like that toilet thing we were just talking about. You know, you could probably find a lot of reasons online to not caulk the toilet and a lot of reasons online to caulk the toilet. And you really got to understand and and decipher some of this stuff, you know, um, for yourself a little bit because or get to professionals that have been doing it in your area, you know, for a long time that can talk to the reasons why they would lean one way or the other in certain situations because kind of like that toilet you know i i might so in my master bathroom i have an unfinished basement underneath that i would i'm totally comfortable to caulk that toilet to the ceramic tile keep the debris out from underneath it make it easier to clean make it look nice on the second floor i thought you know i'm not gonna do that so i'd literally use different kind of simple but scientific reasons of why would you do something in one place and it can even change per house you know like mine you do something different here than you would maybe recommend on that one it's not right wrong or indifferent either way there's just a lot of different options and and really narrowing it down to to what you would work for you and and work best in in your situation in your house i've done this a lot with you know, siding, house wrap, attic ventilation, and had a lot of people say, well, I researched online and they say do this with attic ventilation, do that with attic ventilation, or do this with your your house wraps or your vapor barriers and stuff. And, it, and it's different for different areas, different climates, different, you know, it's all different. So I'm trying to explain to people, well, I've been doing this here for like 30 years plus in St. Louis and this is what I've seen the most of. So I would recommend taking this path because it works here and it's what I've seen, you know, be correct the most and really hang on and do the best thing for you. So watch out for those mixed messages in all of this stuff. And so um, for everybody else out there, hey, phone lines are lighting back up again. Feel free to give us a call. We're going to get into our middle hour break here, but the line you need, there's plenty of room for you and plenty of time coming up. 314-436-7900. Rick and John, if you can hang on through the break, we'll get to you as soon as we return. 
Want to know what's going on with the Cardinals, Billikens, and everything else in the world of sports? Then you need sports on a Sunday morning. Special guests, game recaps, team news. Get it all on sports on a Sunday morning. Sports on a Sunday morning. A St. Louis tradition. Sundays at 10 on KMOX. All right, here we go. Back again. Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby today. And, man, a lot going on. A lot happening in St. Louis. Beautiful, warm day out here today. And uh, must have a lot of people checking stuff out on a beautiful day around their house and really looking for some good advice about what they're they're finding. Um, so, yeah, take a walk around. See what's going on. Get outside today. Check out the exterior Make sure everything looks up to par, that you just don't see anything weird that maybe has gone wrong in these past storms and things like that that we've had. Then you can give us a call right here today. Plenty of room for everybody, 314-436-7900. Love to hear from you and love to answer your questions. So we've got a whole lineup going, so let's get into them fast. We've got our friend Rick here on the phone has a question for me. Rick, uh, what do you got going on? Are you there? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I uh, have a broken latch on my sliding patio door. Uh-huh. Uh, I did purchase another one, uh, you know, that matched all of the, the dimensions, except it just won't fit into the, you know, the pre-cut hole. Um, so I wanted to know if you had any experience with different sizes of latches or, you know, doing something with that. Uh, opening um boy not not really much with doing something with the size of the opening is is this patio door is it a vinyl door no it's uh it's metal oh it's metal okay so it's it's a metal one so yeah i have seen on a lot of those those metal ones where um and vinyl can be the same way where that locking latch mechanism is you know a little bit longer the, and the yeah. screws go through that and you've you've okay. got to kind of you know have it kind of in the in the locked position where you can hang on to the actual locking mechanism that sticks out and and you got to kind of put it in there and get it to go like down past further where you need it to be almost where it could like you'd feel like it would fall in you know and then yeah. get it in and bring it up and line those holes up and you're kind of so so it's longer you know, if the width is fine and everything, but it's longer, it's just a matter of how you position and get that in there. Either go top in, you know, past and then in and down or bottom in, past down and then up, line the holes up and, and get those screws, you know, put into place. So that's the only thing that I have seen with those in replacing that. Are they, you know, is that, that, uh, is it a, what is it? A Mortise lock is, is it like a one size fits all type of thing? No, every single, you know, manufacturers, you know, some of them might have some of the same stuff, but, you know, every manufacturer might have a little bit different size, you know, they get it from a different company. So knowing the manufacturer of the door to, to go back and try and, you know, get with them on that parts list and all of that, you know, is a great thing to do. But then a lot of the older doors if it's a metal door it's probably um a little bit older door isn't it has it been in a long time uh well the house is 
just a little over 10 years. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Relatively new. Yeah. So, so yeah, that is definitely relatively new. So you should have something in there that's, you know, fairly still available. I deal, you know, quite a bit with, you know, doors that are, shoo, they don't even make that manufacturer that door anymore. And you're hunting down something that, you know, really hasn't been made in a long time. And it's kind of a stock that people keep around, you know, that you're trying to find, but yeah, I would try and figure out the manufacturer of that door. You know, it's usually written either on the inside of the door or a sticker on the edge of the door. Um, Sometimes there be something in the corner of the glass, you know, in in like the, one of the corners of the glass, they might have a logo says like Anderson or, or something like that. And, you know, if, if it's just not fitting, you probably have one that's just a little bit different and not quite the right right size for what you're trying to do and finding the manufacturer probably help. Well, and if, if I can't, do you have any recommendations on where to go locally to possibly find a you know, different replacement? So you still have the original one that's broken, right? Well, kind of. Kind of? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, because, uh, when I took it out, uh, uh-huh. you would, I'm sure you know where it's at right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so that makes it hard. Cause there, so there is yeah. a, there is a place, um, called Genesco, you know, window, uh, window and building products. And they have a lot of, of stuff that they, they stock and keep and, you know, a lot of different hardwares and stuff. Most of it's like for older stuff though. Um, I'm sure they'll have newer too, but in the the easiest way I've always had to get anything out of them is if you can take that old part to them and say, this is what I took out of my door, you know, but if it fell down in there, then yeah, you're, you're trying to, you're going to again, look for any type of numbers, serial numbers, manufacturer name, any information, if there's a sticker on the back edge of the door that has information on it, and then maybe they can track down what it is to find the correct thing. So I would, I would try them. Great. Sound good. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, no, uh, no problem at all. Appreciate the call. Great question. Um, common issue, unfortunately. Um, so, Hey, let's, let's shift here to, uh, John has a question for us. He's been on hold for a while. John, are you there? I am. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Thanks for uh, calling in and hanging on there for a while. What do you, what do you have going on? Uh, I have, um, recently put a laminate on a uh, mid stair landing and, Uh uh, I have the stair nose on the front of it, which is great. Fits really well. Looks beautiful, except. I have one side that's open end. And so uh, when you walk into the main entry, you look st- you're looking right at it and you see this open end. And I cannot find any manufacturer. I mean, any manufacturer that makes an end cap, for lack of a better term, for a stair nose transition piece. And other than me cutting a plug and trying to stick this thing in there, uh, I-, I don't know what else to do. Do you know of, I mean, maybe my my search is getting using the wrong verbiage, but I can't believe I'm the only one that's ever had this issue. Yeah, and I'm having a little trouble picturing, you know, what you're talking about because the so okay, the stair nose so, piece kind of goes down and covers a little bit of the riser a little bit. 
That's correct. Yeah, so and, uh, you're seeing it um, on a different spot? Well, I, okay, so on one side I have an open end. So, it, you know, the stairs are open to the living room. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. The other end butts up against the, the, uh, the risers, right? So I've gotcha. got this open end, and like I said, the end cap of a stair nose, for lack of a better term, is what I'm looking for. And the manufacturer that I purchased from obviously doesn't have it, but I've looked at all the other places and all the other manufacturers, and it seems like nobody has come across this issue. How do you how do you cap uh, a stair nose for laminate if you're using laminate? How you know how do you how do you use it for an open ended stair? Yeah, so it's like you're you're looking for like an outside corner piece that would Correct. cover the side edge going down on the side of the stairs too. So what I've seen there for the most part is they basically just take that stair nose piece, you know, do a 45 degree miter at the corner and then run that piece backwards, you know, do a return that, type of thing yeah, like do like would... a return and run it backwards on that tread until it hits, you know, where the riser is. And the problem you, with that is that the, you'll have the it return sticking out. Would, yeah. yeah, the problem is the return would is that um, there's not enough extension of the wood to anything attach it to it, and trying to do a return with a very what maybe one sixteenth of an inch, you get that accurate is going to. I just I don't feel confident in my ability yeah. to be able to get that and make it look right. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 and I'd say probably your easiest thing to do is to um what you might end up having to do is look search for an outside corner piece um okay you know try that try like outside corner trim um and if they don't have one that matches the floor you might just be into buying like a, a wood one and and staining it you know close color to the floor yourself and and using you know, okay. an outside corner because that's what's going to cover to cover a little bit of the face of the tread, and then it'll go down onto the wall. Yeah. Okay. So, Very yep. good. All right. Okay. So uh, obviously, you've never seen an NPC either, so maybe it's no. a dollar idea for me. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, I have I have not. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Have so, a great day. Hey, no problem. Good luck with that, John, for sure. Um, and we've got everything lighting up, so we've got. Uh, about four people here, room for plenty more. We're going to get into our last break of the hour. Joan and Barb and Diane and John, everybody, if you can hold the line through this break, we'll get right back to everybody as soon as we return after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right. Hey, Scott Mosby's taking a little break today. Rich Orr is here filling in for him. Got a lot of great questions, a lot of great friends calling in, a lot going on today. Let's get straight to it, and let's go to Diane. She has held the line for quite a bit. Um, Diane, what's your question? Are you with us? Yes, I am. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Hey, Um, you are welcome. I purchased a new toilet about six years ago, and most recently when I flush it, 
um, after about, oh, 15, 30 seconds, it starts to fill, and then this, like, foghorn noise starts for about 15, 30 seconds. So how do I get rid of that noise? Is that something I can do, or do I have to call in a plumber? Um, well, so, yeah, that noise is is happening because of, a, you know, probably some kind of change in the pressure of the water coming into, you know, the, the toilet tank through the flush valve, all that stuff. And it, and it could be also a little bit of like if some kind of calcium or debris or if the, you know, rubber from the shutoff uh, behind, you know, the under the tank is getting debris inside there and it's kind of semi-clogging something. So is the water, you know, it's like whistling from your mouth as, you know, you change the way your mouth is to make it change pitches and, and things like that. Well, those pipes and, and all of that can do the exact same thing if something gets in there. So I would, I would first try to just shut the water off at the shutoff, you know, right underneath that tank. I would shut it off completely, flush the toilet, and then turn it completely back on and let it fill up again, and and it might, if you're lucky, dislodge something or change something, or if you turn it to 100%, you know, on, if it starts making that noise, you can maybe back it down a little bit and just kind of slowly start to turn it towards off and see if that changes anything. Um, if it doesn't, then you will probably, yes, need to get a, a plumber or, you know, someone qualified enough to change that fill valve, you know, that's making that noise. Um, but changing the pressure in there and all of that might change, you know, how that noise is made or not. Okay, I can give that a try. Thank you so much. Hey, no problem. You're very welcome. Um, so let's go straight here to Barb. She's been here for quite a while, too. Barb, you got a question for us? What do you got going on? Hi. Yes, I do. We have, we're doing some remodeling on a house, and we've got kind of a dis little dispute between the general contractor and the people that we're buying the flooring from. It's a floating floor, and the flooring company is saying, just take it up to the, the cabinet. It's in the kitchen and in the bathroom, the vanities in there. Uh -huh. And the contractor's saying, put down all the way to the wall. One's okay. saying, take the flooring down to the wall. One's saying, put the cabinets in first and take the flooring to the cabinet. Okay. What would you do? So in with a lot of free, you know, those free floating floors, those floors need to move and they need space so that they can move and expand and contract and, and all of that stuff. And when you go to install them, they do recommend that, you know, you hold them at least like a half inch. I mean, there will be a recommendation on the installation instructions um, that would say, you know, hold it a half an inch off a wall, hold it a half an inch off a cabinet or anything like that. Um, and then you put your trim around to cover that gap, and that allows that floor to, you know, kind of smoothly move and expand and contract and, and function. And I have seen floating floors where, you know, they install an island on top of that floor, and then they they screw and bolt and, 
you know, do all this stuff to hold these island cabinets down to the floor and it pinches that floor and it can cause a, a, a problem, an issue with the floor not moving right and having problems down the road. So some floors can go underneath the, the cabinets and a lot of others, they don't recommend that for that movement and everything. I would say, one, I would lean towards the flooring people knowing what the stipulations of that flooring is. So I would probably trust that a little bit more um, than the installer. And a third source is to, if you know the manufacturer and the name and the type and all that of the flooring is, you know, look at the installation instructions, see what it says and or contact the manufacturer and say, you know, can it be? So if, if the, the cabinet doesn't pinch and hold the floor, it can go underneath it if the floor is still allowed to move. But a lot of times the weight of the cabinet doesn't allow that movement. So um, for me, I would, I would go with around the cabinets and trust the flooring people more, but I would also look into it personally and, and even contact the manufacturer and say, I'm getting conflicting advice here. What does the manufacturer say? Because at the end of the day, you want the manufacturer to warranty this floor, you know, so they'll be the one that will really back it later. And they'll be the one, if there's an issue in your house saying, Nope, you shouldn't have put it underneath the cabinets or, or, you know, that or the other. So trust in them too, and, and contact them. Okay. That, does that sound helpful? Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, no, I think it's Pardon? a great idea. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, thank you for your advice. Hey, no problem. You are very, very welcome. Um, and, you know, it, it, that is a, it's kind of like that toilet thing. You know, it, it really depends on the circumstances, the flooring type, all this stuff. I always recommend, you know, everybody, you know, get to who's going to warrant this thing. Get to, you know... Who's going to take care of it down the road if there's an issue and that sort of thing? And, you know, having a good contractor that has a really long, you know, good warranty on their workmanship. Because this floor, you know, when you have a floor like that, there's kind of a twofold warranty thing there to where, you know, do you have a good long term company that's been around for, 70 something years or 40 something years or, you know, a really long time. How well do they back stuff? And do they have a good long workmanship warranty that would cover if they installed that flooring incorrectly? Cause that's where the workmanship comes in. And that's the difference in these warranties from, you know, manufacturer to installer is, you know, you need an installer that will guarantee that they're going to follow the manufacturer specification and they're going to install something correctly so that if you do have an issue five years down the road and you know, the, the manufacturer comes in and says, yep, nope, they didn't install that right. It shouldn't have went underneath the cabinets. Well, who's got that? Who covers that? And if you have a one year workmanship warranty that somebody says, I'll guarantee for 12 months that we've installed these products correctly. Well, not a lot usually happens in 12 months, you know, and that's really when, when here at Mosby, we changed, 
you know, our warranty from one year to 10 years, you know, we kind of twofold one look backwards and said, okay, well, how far backwards have we gone to fulfill the need of something that we legitimately didn't do correctly? And two, how many things do we really see in the first 12 months? You know, most people are calling it's, it's a year and a half, it's two years, it's, you know, it needs some time. And so that's a quick, easy way out. And manufacturers also have a a quick, easy way out to say, yep, they should have used a different screw. They should have done this. And then all of a sudden you're not covered by anybody. So pay a lot of attention to who holds that warranty, how long is it, and what do you trust in, you know, how long have they been around and do you really think that they'll be there and that they'll back it and and that they'll cover things, you know, years and years down the road. So this is, again, a, a super sticky situation for a lot of people. But, hey, we're going to get into our, our news break here right at the top of the hour. So, uh, Joanne, John, if you can hold the line, that'd be awesome. We'll get to you guys right after the news when we come back. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Second hour. We've got plenty of time. We've got plenty of room for plenty of calls. Everybody out there, this is Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby today, who's taking a little break. Well-deserved time for Scott. And uh, so everyone out there, hey, give us a call. See what you got going on. Love to help you out. Um, The line you're looking for, 314-436-7900. I want to get to John's call right away. Um, John has been on hold for a very long time. So, he, John, you're my hero, buddy. How you doing? Are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. Awesome. So you got a, a question about a deck? What's going on? Yes, I do. I have a 20 by 30 foot uh, concrete suspended deck above my garage. The the house was built in the 70s. Uh, it was just concrete when we moved in about 25 years ago. And about that time, I put some um, uh, from Strassner Company, uh, some tennis court uh, rubberized material over it. Had to prime uh-huh. it and do all kind of weird stuff to it. Well, it's been 25 years or so, and that's kind of failing now. So I was wondering what I can put over that again. Um, gotcha. Um, so yeah. can you see the underside of this concrete when you... Yes, my, the, the, the underside is my garage. Oh, okay. Uh, so, and it's got that uh, kind of, uh, not the round corrugated, uh, uh, like blotchy looking steel. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got the corrugated, like corrugated yeah. panels yeah. inside the yeah, garage but it's, ceiling. But it's not the round corrugated. It's uh, it kind of goes at angles. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely good. So, so then all that's probably in in pretty good condition. Do you get water through yeah, that? Do, that's why you're looking to seal it. Right. Yeah, but I, I've fixed most of the leaks, and I think uh, we just have the house sided and and new gutters and roof and whatnot put on there. So now the deck looks kind of junky. Yeah, yeah. And the wife saw me about it. So sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, probably what I would recommend the most is, 
when you're doing that, the product that you have on there, you're really going to want to stick to the same product or the same type of product that can actually adhere, you know, to itself right. when you kind of redo it. Otherwise, there are different concrete coatings, you know, that can go over top of concrete that can have some really cool designs and, <clears throat> and patterns. And, you know, they can do concrete coatings that, that look like a stone pattern and has kind of like right. grout lines in it, even though it's just sprayed on, you know, or like the cool deck that they put on, you know, around pools can be, you know, different colors, but, a, you know, any of those products, they're going to come in and say, we have to remove everything that you put on there to get back down to the original concrete, which is fine, you know, um, and, and they can do some really neat things and some really cool looks that your, your wife would probably absolutely love, you know, the look of this, this new deck flooring once it's done, but it just probably won't work really well on top of that, you know, what you have on there. So you're right. looking for either kind of the similar product that could adhere back again right. on top of to itself without a lot of removal or removal and then finding a, a concrete coating company that could do a really cool, you know, they got a lot of different patterns and stuff that they can do. They're really neat. Well, I'm a flooring contractor, so I was <clears throat> hopefully going to take care of it myself like I did last time. Um, but <clears throat> like you said, the company went out of business. And yeah. like you said, it was some sort of rubberized tennis court material. And um, I don't know who else to call. Yeah, I personally, I don't, yeah, I don't know who sells that type of stuff or, or that sort of thing. Um, and you definitely... Um, you know, an asphalt company might might know, you know, what kind of products are, are used on that, um, uh, well, you know. Cause I they did do. have an engineer come out years ago because I was going to put concrete over it. Uh-huh. And he would, well, <clears throat> and, and go from, you know, like I said, it's 20 by 30 foot. <clears throat> if, if we put an inch in at the inch of concrete down to basically a quarter inch or however thin concrete can go, yeah. And the engineer's like, well, you'd have to put, like, six posts in the middle of your garage. Yeah. Like, okay, well, that's not really an option. Yeah, a lot of extra weight. And that's where those those concrete coating companies, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you clean all that off there and get to, you know, and, and you may even end up with, like, a diamond grinding, you know, wheel type yeah, thing. We, we, we have those being a flooring contractor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, but, so you, uh, but, but being a rubberized material that I put on there – it would probably gum up the diamonds pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. It'd, it'd be tough for sure. Um, but those right. concrete coatings, you know, from the, from the coating companies are very thin, very light. Um, right. and, and not yeah. really wouldn't add the weight that, you know, actual yeah. concrete would. But you, you don't know of a rubberized, uh, material that I can just prime it again. You know, cause I had to put some primer on there and make sure it didn't rain. I had to buy a, it happened to be raining that week. <clears throat> and I had to buy a 60 by uh, or 40 by 30 foot tarp to cover the whole deck and build up and, you know, put all these yeah. two by fours up in the corners and all that. And, uh, oh gosh. And yeah. actually, just so it could dry. Keep it dry. It, it yeah. Not, or, you know, or so it couldn't get rained on and actually it didn't rain those four days. So I 
wasted all that time and money, um, but I had to do it. Sure, sure, yeah. No, I, I, I don't personally know of a rubberized one. Um, the other, of course, is like epoxy coatings, but again, it, it won't go over that rubber. You know, right, so it's either finding, yeah, finding, locating some kind of rubberized one that'll adhere to that or, you know, definitely right. scraping, trying to get this stuff off of there would be quite the task. You know, I'm sure you've yeah. been flooring, you've run into that more than you probably care to admit. And it's For not, sure. not yeah. much fun whatsoever. Absolutely. So, all right, buddy. Outside. Yeah, yeah. No, good question. Appreciate the call. Wish I had more information on on a rubberized one, but I think that's kind of you know where you're headed and where you're going in, in finding something, and, and you may be into a tough removal process for you. Wish you luck. Okay, thank you, Rich. Hey, no problem. Thank you, John. Awesome. Uh, let's uh, let's get Joanne real quick here because again she's been on hold for quite a while too has a question about remodeling her bathroom Joanne are you with us I am can you hear me yes I can and, and it says you had called Mosby already about your project I I had I had called Mosby about I have an 82 year old mother who lives in a home that her father built uh, my grandmother wouldn't marry him until he had built her house okay and um, look into remodel her bathroom to make it more um, feasible for her to use at 82. And I called Mosby because I listen to you guys all the time and my mom does yeah. too. And when I gave the address of the place that my mom lives, I was told that they don't service that zip code. Oh, okay. And I, I thought that was a little disconcerting because when I gave them my home zip code, zip code, they certainly came there. So I was just wondering, do you have any other alternatives? Because they didn't really offer me anything else as far as options to get bids to remodel this bathroom. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, and of course there is, you know, um, I, I don't know where you're at, but there is a distance that is feasible to travel and cost effectively. You know, can you get there or not? Things like that. So. So yeah, you know, some addresses, zip codes can be out a little too far. We go quite a ways, but you know, from from our reaching area. So, and and honestly, I get this question a lot because, you know, in doing what we do, I'm like, I don't I don't really know anybody that I would really recommend because we do it. And so it's hard to say like, oh yeah, there you know, because right. I've heard good and bad things about all kinds of companies. You know what I mean? To where it's, it's all right, about right. that particular well, experience. So what I would probably recommend is, you know, calling um, the Better Business Bureau and, okay. and or the Home Builders Association, the HBA. Okay. Um, and okay. and kind of tell them where you're at or whatever, and then they can give you know, two or three recommendations of, of companies and, you know, and then of well, course, I mean, the, zip code, yeah. the zip code where my mom lives is within the St. Louis area and the zip code I live is in Illinois. So I, I, they obviously go the distance to where my mom's zip code is. So, but I will potentially try that. I was um, hoping maybe we could, uh, you know, render your services, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So, Okay, yeah, that yeah, that's interesting. I, I personally have not heard that, um, you know, really, really from anybody. But um, 
but yeah, I I don't know the circumstance and everything of what you know the, they're taking the calls and and doing all that stuff, and we certainly change up sometimes to what we're doing and where we're going. Um, la- a year, about a year or so ago during COVID, when we got so crazy busy, we actually stopped going to Illinois for a, for a spite of time because there was just so much going on. And, and we only have so many people, so we can only right. do and see so much. So um, I had a lot of my past clients, because I've been doing this so long, were like, hey, they told me you don't come here or whatever. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, and, and so so I went or whatever. And then actually ended up having a neighbor, you know, call in. And they're like, oh, we're, we don't go to Illinois anymore. And they're like, you're working on the neighbor's house across the street, you know, and I'm like, so right. there could be a little confusion from that because, you know, we're, we're trying to control and, and we only have so many people that run out and see things and things are so crazy busy right now that I'm sure they came up with some reasons to kind of narrow things down and, you know, keep us in, in a certain loop and stuff like that while we get through some really pressing times. And that's probably what that's about. So but yeah, I would I would start there. Try try that Home Builders Association and try um, you know the Better Business Bureau and see if there's some recommendations for people in the area. All right. Well, Sound thank good? you very much for your time. No problem. You, you are very welcome. Thanks for the call and the comments and everything. And we are running past our break time here a little bit. So if Jim can hold the line for us and anybody else has anything we need. 314-436-7900. Having a great time filling in for Scott. We're going to take a break. We will be right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Rich Orris here today filling in for Scott Mosby again. Giving him a well-deserved break. Taking some time. You know, he's done this for a long time, and really, he's just, yeah, deserves some time to do some things for himself, and I'm glad that he trusts me and that it's working out and that I can come in and fill in and and sit in the big chair, fill in the shoes, and really get things going for everybody. So for everyone out there, we've got a whole nother half of the hour coming up, so Feel free to give us a call, 314-436-7900. For now, we've got Jim on the line with us here. Jim, uh, you got something going on? What's your question? Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Um, Here's the background. I have a house that was built in 1904. Uh, 22 years ago, had the whole thing tuck-pointed, and the tuck-pointing is Looks like the day they did it. And nice. I'm very, very pleased with that. Okay. Had a different company do the um, stone foundation about five years ago. It looks great, too. Had that same different company do the chimney. And chimney's got a flu li- uh, stainless steel flue liner that I had put in there in, uh, oh, let's see shortly after I bought the house. So it's a 20-year-old stainless steel flu liner. The only thing going up there is the hot water heater because I have a 93% uh, efficient boiler vented out to the side of the basement. Okay, okay. now, um, the tuck pointing on the chimney looks great, but there's about three lines of it that are actually, that's actually popping out. Um, how long should I expect 
that tuck pointing on that chimney to reasonably last? Well, that is that is a great question because chimneys are a lot tougher and have a lot more opportunity for water to get inside, you know, behind the brick and, and try and work its way out. So you get a lot more popping out and you get, you know, a lot more of like the, the white colored, the lime and all that, you know, coming out and running down the brick and stains on the brick from all that lime trying to get out from water escaping. And so the top of the chimney, the chimney cap, you know, has a lot of availability sometimes and they don't always focus that much on the cap every time. And then the steel liner, all that difference, you can actually, in making those changes, you could be just getting condensation inside of the chimney, making it wet. And then all that moisture is trying to wick its way out through those walls. So that's some of the battles of a, of a chimney versus a wall. Um, if everything's done really, really well, it should still hold up and, and really last if it's done, you know, if all the points are happening and you, you're not getting a whole lot of condensation and if you focused on the chimney cap. So if they just put a coating over top of that top of the chimney, the concrete cap, and there's yeah. cracks or anything coming back through, those cracks come back really fast, lets the rainwater into that brick surface from the inside and then starts kind of battling its way out, and that's why it starts to go sooner. So I would say you should easily, 10, 15 years should be good on a really good performing chimney without a lot of issues in the cap or if they did... <laughs> You know, a lot of times we would do an entire new cap, just rip the whole thing off, start from scratch, and build a new cap. That's more of a brick mason job than a tuck pointer job. Most tuck pointers cover it with a thin slurry of the mix, you know, fill the cracks a little bit, get about a quarter inch on top of it, and then that stuff breaks off and starts letting water in a lot sooner than like a whole masonry cap. Which is so kinda, do you think I should, should I have the cap replaced though while while they fix it? Fix yeah, I would. Yes, I would see if it needs it for sure. I would say, okay, you know, what is the condition of the cap? Why is this failing so quickly? And if there is cracks and things like that and separation, you know, um, at the edge from the cap to the brick, because as the water rolls off, it can roll back in you know, kind of capillary action takes it in there. So if the cap is separating from the brick, then that's another spot where the, the water can be getting in behind that brick again. So what I've seen in the past is when you chuck when you tuck point chimneys, like 80, 90% of the time, it would really be a great idea to completely replace that masonry cap to keep water out. Now, is that what the, what some people used to call the coping, or is that a different term? That's a term I've heard from time to time by some real old timers, but I'm not sure they're speaking about the exact same uh, part that uh, we are. Yeah, that I'm not positive on. I think the coping is more just the the style, or if the brick steps and does things like that. I don't know that coping was ever a term for the cap, but I'm. 
you know, I've been doing this gotcha. about 30 years or so. Um, so I'm, I'm not quite as no, you know, gotcha. 50, 60 years. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate, I appreciate your help. I mean, I'm not looking for something for nothing. I don't mind paying oh, yeah. that part of it redone. You know, I mean, not, nothing's perfect, but I, I want to get as much longevity as I can out of all of this, because my whole idea, I'm 73. The whole idea is to fix it once and not have to do it until I go to room temperature. Yeah, and then, exactly. And it'll be the kid's problem, not mine. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Jim, I'll tell you one more quick thing that that I would tell you about replacing that masonry cap. And this is something that, you know, we've kind of developed and and come up with a way that really helps you know, protect that brick and the water getting in from the cap and, and all of that. And a lot of brick masons, they kind of look at us a little bit sideways when we try and explain it to them or tell them what to do. But what I've had brick masons do in the past for chimneys with, you know, getting the cap replaced is basically we've built kind of like a wood form around that brick to, to, hold the concrete cap where there's no brick. So basically take two by fours and wrap it around the top of the chimney where the bottom of that masonry cap will be. And it kind of creates a form for the concrete to sit on. And what happens is when they pour that new cap, they can bring it out to the edge of that wood. And what that does is it creates the uh, an inch and a half of area that the cap overhangs the brick once they take that wood form off. Ah, So all of a sudden now the water running off the edge, you still got to watch capillary action of it going backwards, grinding a little groove underneath that on the bottom side, about a half inch or three quarters of an inch in will, will create a little groove where water, it will stop capillary action from running backwards, you know, on the bottom side of that concrete edge, getting to the brick, and then water will drip off and not necessarily hit the brick. Of course, wind-driven rain, stuff like that still will, but you've just, you know, it's kind of like the overhangs of your house. You're like, wow, the top three feet of my house isn't even wet. Well, the, the top eight inches or foot of your chimney might not even be wet. If you create this extension all the way around, you get your groove, stop capillary action. It's a lot to do, and a lot of them are like, they think it's a little bit overboard. But to me, that's going to get you closer to that lasting value and and this thing lasting a really long time. You'll have a good, you know, two-inch thick concrete cap. And it'll extend over and keep water off and, and all that stuff. It stops a lot of the opportunities for water getting into that brick. Well, I'm planning on croaking when I'm 92, so I need him not another 20 years. Well, hey, thing. you got a good plan there, buddy. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's my plan. Now, I'm not sure it'll work that way, but, hey, that's my plan anyway. Yep, and that's that's the direction on that chimney that'll probably get you close to that 20 years. Well, you thank know. you very much. I appreciate all your time and all your help. Absolutely. No problem, Jim. I appreciate it. For everybody else, hey, phone line's wide open for you. Give us a shout, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. We're going to take our middle-of-the-hour break here, and we'll get to more calls and some more information. We can talk about March a little bit when we return, too. We'll be back right after this.
This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, guys. Rich Orris here filling in for Scott Mosby. Man, are we having some great conversations, great questions, a lot of stuff going on. Absolutely love filling in, helping out, seeing what we can do for the entire KMOX community here. Let's let's get out there. We've got a lot of different calls coming in, some comments, some other things. We've got Kim on the line right now. Let's get to Kim and see what she has going on. Are you there, Kim? Yes, I am. Thanks, Rich, for taking my call. Oh, thanks for uh, calling. I was... We're getting ready to haul a bunch of dirt in to help with the, uh, to get the water to move away from the house better. And we have a brick front on the house. And somebody said, don't get the dirt up over the brick because the brick has, has like breathing paths under it or something. I don't know how they termed it. Uh-huh. And I was wondering, how do I determine whether I have that situation on this house or not? Absolutely. Um, so when you look at the brick on the front of the house right now, can you see like the concrete or block or whatever foundation underneath it? And then can you see where the brick actually starts? Yes. And it's kind of like stair steps because we're on a slope, I guess. I yep. don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, they will take that foundation wall and they'll come across, you know, four or five, whatever feet, then they'll go down, then they'll go across straight again, then they'll go down. And so, yeah, basically, uh, and how old your house? Oh, I want to say, shoot, 90, uh, 85. Okay. To- Okay, yeah, no. 1985, not 85 years old. Yeah, 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 gotcha, yeah. Um, So, yeah, so then basically, you know, from that era and everything, yes, the the brick where it ends at the foundation, you know, you can get a lot of water. You know, brick is a giant sponge. It's like a hard sponge. It just absorbs water. It's very porous. You can get condensation on the backside of the brick running down. Um, and so basically there is, when it hits the foundation, they put what we call like these weep holes. A a lot of times you might see, and yours are probably gone, but how they start the hole is, um, a lot of times just with a rope, just like a piece of like a, a, a a fiber rope that eventually goes away. It'll just kind of deteriorate to about a quarter inch size hole in the mortar, right at the bottom of the brick, right against the foundation. Sometimes they do these slots where they literally leave like a one-inch slot between two bricks down to the foundation open, and they do that like every second or third, you know, width of brick, and that is to allow that that brick to breathe and for water and moisture to weep out. So it gets ah. air to the backside of the brick a little bit, helps it dry out, lets the moisture and everything weep out. The same exact thing would be said for any spot where there's an opening in your brick, like a door or a window or anything like that, where there's a metal lintel, they call it, you know, holding up the brick at the top of the window. 
and, mm-hmm. and you'll see the same thing. There's holes, there's little pieces of rope that stick out, or because that's the same way as when the wo- moisture goes down the brick, pretend like that metal lintel is the foundation, and when once the water gets to that lintel, it needs to breathe, it needs to dry, and it needs to weep out. So a lot of people oh. caulk that lintel to the brick, and then they've blocked off that escape. Oh. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. same thing at the foundation. You want to make sure those holes are there. Make sure that it can it, they remain there. I've had clients like close them off because they're worried about like insects. And she's like, oh, I had somebody caulk all those one-inch vertical slats to keep the oh. bugs out. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Dig it back oh. out. Get the air. You know, let it breathe. It's It's the double-edged sword of the things that we do and you know, what we know, and what we don't. And, and, you know, that's the bad side of having a hole in your brick is bugs can get in, but moisture getting out could be much more important than that. So, mm. so you definitely want to leave that dirt lower than that foundation line. Oh, and leave the brick yeah. exposed in, in newest, latest codes today, not in 1985, but today, they actually are saying we need at least like eight or nine inches of foundation showing up before the brick just to keep, the, you know, the exposure and the things working and, and, and bugs out and, you know, termites. You can see if they're making trails and stuff like that because if you get that dirt too close, there's other things like the termites don't need to go oh. far to start getting in. Their trail, you know. So in your situation, your house probably wasn't built that high, high up. So you know, I would say you're probably okay to get that dirt as close as you can to that brick. But if you can leave, you know, a couple inches away from the brick underneath it, exposed foundation, that would be ideal. So I should thank this individual for saving us from ourselves. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yep, because it it will just add moisture into the wall, into the brick, everything. Because now the brick, remember, it's a big, hard sponge. So if there's moisture in the soil, moisture wicks backwards. It'll wick it right into the brick and deteriorate it and all that stuff. So, yes, thank your friend. I thank your friend, too. That's great advice. Oh, yeah. And we we have a heck of a time with the water, the way it flows here and stuff, because we're kind of on a hill and from the and even the front of the house, from the street to the house, it slopes down. Oh, so it's sloping back towards the house. Yes, and then yep. the the neighbors they just built a new house and built it up, so we have a more water coming from that Your way. way. Yep, absolutely. So what you may have to consider if you're getting too much water and you can't build it up so high against the home is actually. T- you, you take some out of the center of the yard. You create what's called a swale. where I've it heard does, that mentioned. Yep, I've heard it, that mentioned. It slopes slightly away from the house, but then it slopes towards the center of the yard from the front, and it creates a little swale where water can go sideways and down the hill and go around your house without making its way you know, to the, the front wall, the foundation, the brick, all that stuff. So... Yep, you may end up eventually needing a swale to direct water where you need it to go and keep it away from that front wall. Okay, okay, great information. (laughs) Hey, no problem. I appreciate it. Great question. Good advice from your friend. Uh, 
take their advice. They know what they're talking about. You're going to have to take them out to dinner. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if forever, we got to get into our last break here before the end of the show. So for everybody out there, we'll have time for a call or two when we come back. 314-436-7900. Kim, thanks for your call. And we'll be back right after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Last segment, two hours spent by just about gone, having a great time. Rich Orr is here filling in for Scott Mosby. Love love the questions, love the conversations, love helping out. This is what I do for Scott and for Mosby Building Arts every day on a daily basis, you know, running around, visiting with people, looking at their issues, their remodeling projects, their bathrooms, their kitchens, their roofing, all this different stuff that we do. And so this is just a really awesome extension of, you know, what I'm doing all day, every day during the week, you know, in, in my daily day-to-day job. And I've been here with Scott for just slightly over 20 years now. There's quite a few of us. There's four of us actually right now that have been here, you know, 20 years plus. Um, one of them's the head of our painting division. One of them's a uh, project manager. And the uh, the other one is actually was from the field like myself, used to do the work, manage jobs and do all that. And now he does the same kind of consulting thing that I do, and I've been working with him and a little training and stuff like that. And, you know, he's been off and running for year, year and a half or so at that. And so it's a, just a great environment. And, you know, we're just like today, we're just trying to get to some good information, some good advice, the best knowledge that we can know what we've learned. We've probably, you know, I've probably done things wrong so many times to learn from, you know, what really works here now and and when and what's the the pitfalls of this and the pluses of that. But I do love and appreciate, you know, a lot of the calls and information that we get in during this, you know, what what Scott always calls that university of KMOX is, you know, we, we reach and touch so many people. So as we discuss these things, we actually get some informational type calls in. If we can get to them, I love to, to get them on the air and everything. But so today, you know, we had a couple of them call in, um, and one of them actually recommended. So, um, for the flooring, for the end cap thing of looking for, you know, different type of trim material, things like that actually kind of reminded or recommended, you know, St. Charles hardwoods um, has a, just a, every type of trim piece, everything pretty much imaginable that you could either get, figure out or make, and you can get it in whatever, you know, wood species, things like that you want. So, you know, for, for John looking at finishing off the side end cap of, of that flooring, if, if you can't find anything from the flooring company, you know, they can either make something or they probably have from pieces in a book, different things, old stuff, you know, something that could fit and work. And of course you'd still be in that, you know, finish it and make it kind of look like the color of the flooring to blend in and all that, you know, yourself, but I'm sure they probably have some sort of trim you know, that would work out for that. And then we also had a a call come in that was talking about, you know, the, the toilet caulking the toilet 
to the floor. They were kind of like, you know, they had read an article that said, you know, caulking the toilet down to the floor is a must, you know, and I'm like, well, so I get that. And there's a lot of information out there and that's where you really got to watch, you know, who it is, where it's coming from, what area are they in, you know, things like that to where, there, there's all these different circumstances to think about in every instance of everything that happens. So you got to be mindful and watch out just because somebody says that doesn't mean it's the best thing for, for you, for your area, for what's happening for, you know, I've been through this in the past with, with my wife, um, she showed me these videos on YouTube and, and it's amazing because, you know, we, we'd been talking about, you know, an in-ground pool. She's always wanted like a really good in-ground pool in a, in a house that either has one or the yard big enough, maybe we could get one. And, you know, and of course I'm from my position, I'm always talking about how hard it is and, and how you got to make a fit and the expense. And this could cost a whole lot of money and what type are you doing? And, all this stuff. And she literally shows me videos on YouTube of, of people taking above ground pools and just digging a hole and putting them down into a hole in the ground. So like all of a sudden now it's this, it's this in ground pool. And I'm going, you know, just cause somebody did that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing to do or that it's going to last or that, you know, if you, if you don't manage the water, you know, how do you know you're not getting a rainstorm so bad that all of a sudden you're going to see this above ground pool in a four foot hole in the ground, literally floating two feet out of the ground with water coming out and destroying the whole thing. I mean, if you don't have the right drainage and controlling water. I mean, just dig a hole in the ground and set something in it and see how well this works out. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot that goes into a lot of things like in ground pools and different stuff like that. So you really got to watch, you know, just because somebody did it, it might've worked in their area or it might've not worked. Maybe they're not going to show you the video of how it got destroyed in four years and how it was no good, or it didn't, you know, that sort of thing. She, she also, you know, we, we were looking at um, a, a fireplace and, and somebody showing how they put like tile over tile or whatever, you know, on this fireplace. And I'm trying to explain, I'm going, that might look good from a distance straight on, but how do you finish this edge? How do you really make this quality and do that? And then finally, as we went through it and we found some photos, I was able to kind of zoom in and explain to her how, Yep. So this looks bad. You still see the edge of the old thing you do. So again, it's like, can you put tile over tile? Absolutely. Will it last? I don't know. Depends on the circumstance. Will it look great? Yeah. Well, it depends on the circumstance again, where will it go, you know, and how do you finish it? And so not all of these things are, are great. So you, you, again, like I urge, you got to watch really what's happening you know, talk to some professionals that have done these things in your area for a lot of time, ask good open-ended questions to, to hear knowledge and to, you know, understand, you know, do, do, do you get a good feeling from them? Do you think they really know, I hope they're not making something up or they're not just saying stuff 
to satisfy people. I've seen so much in the past with, you know, siding and house wraps and how you flash and how you do things. And, you know, I've, I've heard of people saying to like a siding installer, well, will you put house wrap underneath the siding? And of course their answer is yes, absolutely. We'll go ahead and do that for you. But if they, and then I see them do that on top of old wood siding without taking off the old wood siding, getting down to a nice flat tapable surface, you know, do this stuff right. I've seen all the flashing pieces not put in well and not performing well. So it's like, yeah, did, did, did they do what they said? Yes. They put the house wrap on and you asked them if they did, but what you maybe didn't ask them was how do you install that house wrap? What happens? You know, how do you make sure water doesn't come out? Do you guarantee that water won't get in my house? Do you, you know, all these things that, you know, let them show you what they're talking about. Let them explain, see if they back it up, see what their warranties are. All these things you really got to look at and check into to be covered. So I do invite everybody out there. This is what I do. You can call Mosby Building Arts, get me to come out, look at stuff. We'll get you taken care of. And we that's what we do. And we absolutely love it. So again, love filling in for Scott. Love what we do. And I hope to talk to everybody again soon.